Welcome to Viewpoint on Construction, our podcast series that offers modern takes on a transforming industry. Beyond the latest construction technologies and best practices, this podcast series looks at the innovative ideas, creative voices, and forward-thinking themes that are shaping our industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I am once again thrilled to be here, once again more or less thrilled to be Wayne Newitz with Viewpoint, and especially thrilled to have with me today Mr. Robert Cruz of MDU Construction Services Group. Robert, hello. Hey, Wayne. How are you today? I am doing well, sir. And uh, thank you so much for taking some time out and joining us for what essentially is going to be a part two to our previous podcast on getting the most out of your software. Uh, last time we were very um, pleased to have with us Mr. Tim McNally of Tilson Technology. And um, and Tim talked to us from his perspective about um, the best practices in picking and implementing software for your companies uh, that will ensure that it gets used, that will ensure you get the most value out of what is often a far from insignificant investment. Sorry for that double negative, everybody. So, um, Robert, uh, why don't we begin? Tell us a little bit about what you do um, for your firm. Tell us a little bit about MDU, uh, Construction Services Group. Uh, then we'll get into the meat of the topic. So thanks, Wayne. Uh, MDU Construction Services Group, or CSG, as we call ourselves, uh, internally is a uh, mostly a group of electrical contractors uh, throughout the country. Uh, we have a sampling of other entities as well, um, and we have sister companies inside of the MDU umbrella. But our CSG group is is focused on construction. We have inside electrical contractors, outside electrical contractors, mechanical. Uh, we even have a uh, equipment manufacturing and rental company within the family. Uh, my role here uh, as director of financial software systems is uh, pretty varied. I wear a lot of hats based on uh, what kind of projects we're working on and what kind of solutions we're trying to find. Sometimes uh, a bit of a DBA, sometimes more of a developer or integrator. Uh, analysts, BA type work, uh, essentially whatever needs to be done to solve some of the problems that we uncover or address some of the challenges uh, that we're trying to to improve on. Right. Um, I, I have a team that works with me uh, toward that end, and uh, we really focus on just trying to make the company's use of software uh, more efficient, more productive, and uh, of course increase shareholder value in doing so. And all of that is on your business card, I assume, Robert, right? It's a very fine print on the back. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you clearly you wear a lot of hats, chief cook and bottle washer included, no doubt. Uh, you folks have a broad uh, base of operations. You know, in fact, I can look out my window here at Viewpoint and see one of your operating groups here in Oregon, one of the, the state's largest electrical contractors. So, uh, so how many operating groups altogether, Robert, are uh, are using the software platforms that that you're in large part responsible? For. We have 16 companies um, that we that we support. Uh, so, uh, as you mentioned, there are several out in uh, in the Portland area, and, and we probably the furthest east that our uh, sites go is Ohio, mm -hmm. uh, but we operate in states further east from there. But that's where the the geographical location of their 
you know, their offices would stop. Right, right. Got it. But but essentially, you're, you're nationwide in the work that you do, the projects that you manage. So talk to us a little bit about your philosophy at MDU CSG about software, about your investment in it, about your use of it. Uh, how do you do things different, better than, um, than other contractors, in your opinion, with the way you roll out new software? Uh, one thing we take pride in is we are very secure in how we use software. We have a, uh, a formal process for looking at uh, cybersecurity aspects of uh, software that we're going to use. Pretty uh, in-depth analysis on uh, who the third party is that we're going to do business with. We're happy that Viewpoint uh, is a solid company. They they take security uh, seriously and have have people in discussions with us for you know any concerns that we may have mm-hmm. uh, with products and they address our uh, challenges as they arise. So that's one area that we I think we're differentiated in the marketplace is is we operate in a very secure fashion. Mm-hmm. Now one one thing that I've seen that that stands out to me is if and I've had the um, I've had the benefit of traveling to uh, various MDU operating companies and have seen have seen the use of software have seen this kind of blending of both business process and practice along with the tools that people are using and see this consistency across you know this very large company which is something you don't see often and these are remote operating group these are groups with different separate pnls from each other uh, to a large extent I and mean, correct me if i'm wrong so the fact that that you all have been uh, successful in getting everyone to you know, sing off the same page in that proverbial um, uh, hymnal book and get everyone using software more or less the same way, more or less the same software. Big accomplishment. Talk to us a little bit about how MDU CSG got there. That's right, Wayne. We have uh, standardized on the Spectrum platform, and it was a it was an ordeal to get there, to get all the companies converted from whatever system they were previously using somewhere already on Spectrum, uh, but needed to change how they use Spectrum maybe to be more in line with the the corporate vision that we had. Mm-hmm. And so through years of getting the companies converted, today we can say we are all on Spectrum uh, when we acquire a new company, we get them on Spectrum right away. At this point, we do not rebrand, as you mentioned. We leave them intact with their their local recognized name, mm-hmm. etc. But we do convert their some of their business processes. We convert them to uh, the same ERP backend, and we try to take advantage of those efficiencies, uh, the processes that we've put in place both for uh, month-end close and things related to accounting, mm-hmm. uh, and even operationally as kind of the, I'll say, the newer area where we're trying to make uh, more and more standards across all the groups uh, so we can track and report on our work uh, yeah. more consistently across all those groups. Right. And operationally, of course, that's where we, we both know a lot of the challenges can be. Every different operating group, 
Uh, the word operating is right there in the title, operates differently, obviously, depending on the type of work that they're doing, even the type of geography that they've got, um, their relationships with local, you know, local owners, subcontractors, etc., other GCs, what have you. It's all quite different. So in that type of environment where you've got 15, 16 different companies all quite different. How do you, how have you been successful? Because I know you have. How have you been successful in getting everyone to march to that same tune? Uh, what are some of the, the pro tips you can give our listeners uh, to how to get everyone to do that? Because oftentimes, Robert, as you I'm sure know, within just a single operating group, within a single company, it's hard enough to get everyone uh, using the same tools. So what's your secret? What have you guys done? It is a challenge, Wayne. One of the things I, I say can't be it can't be done without is management buy-in. You know, the the tone being set from the top that this is the tool. This is why we own the tool. Uh, this is what the tool does. Mm-hmm. You're you're expected to use the tool. You know, here are the benefits of the tool. You know, laying that out, having a good uh, adoption plan. It's one thing to tell people to adopt. It's another thing to have a plan to get them there. Right. So providing adequate training, having the right people in the training so that you have some champions out in the field, mm-hmm. you know, at all these uh, disparate work sites or uh, different companies, uh, operating groups. Having a champion there that's going to be trained and understand why the why this is better. Hopefully, understand the pros and cons versus the old way they did things right. uh, to help address some of those concerns, and you know quell them out uh, at the grassroots level without things all having to trickle up the chain. Yeah, yeah, uh, that can be really useful. So um, having having good direction at the top, having a plan, how to communicate this out and train people on uh, mm-hmm. what the software is, how to use it, et cetera, is great. Reporting back uh, as things go along and showing uh, some of the efficiencies are mm-hmm. great. Uh, and even taking note sometimes of the perceived weaknesses of the old ways, not so much as a, I told you so, but right. so that later you can you can maybe uh, bring up some of those topics and say, man, isn't it great that this new system allowed us to do X, Y, Z, whereas in the past we had to struggle with this old process. That, uh, yeah, do you remember I, how inefficient that was? I'm so glad you brought that up because oftentimes what I have seen is um, adoption of new software. You, you, you might get that senior management buy-in, but after you get that, you know, you may receive an email from senior management to all employees. This is our new system. We will be using this now. Thank you very much. And that's the end of it. There, to me, where companies succeed, where I've seen you folks succeed, for example, is this constant ongoing expectation that uh, this is our software tool and we'll be expecting you to use it. I mean, it's an expectation and that's key. But I want to pull something else else out that you said, which is giving people an understanding for why we're doing this. Why is the company moving? Why do we have to learn a whole new system? Oh my gosh, I've been doing things this way for five years. Why are we going through all this trouble to learn a new tool, a new process? If you give you know reasonable adults a good, reasonable explanation, that 
takes you, in my opinion, 80% of the way there. I don't know if you'd agree with that. But, but you know, there's also that other 20% of the way. You know, once you get people bought in, uh, everyone's uh, on board, then you have to do it. And and here again, I've, I've seen some things that, that your firm has done that I'd love for you to share with others. I've seen, for example, talk, talk a little bit more, if you will, about kind of the internal help desk and champions that you've got and how important they are to getting the most out of your, your software investments. Sure. We have people we would consider experts in different areas of different pieces of software. If we talk about Spectrum, we have people who one individual, for example, I would say knows more about Spectrum payroll Mm -hmm. than anybody else in our corporation and could probably keep up uh, handily with uh, Viewpoint's own support, at least insofar as how we use payroll. They may not know uh, other ways that payroll are used elsewhere, sure, but she sure. is very skilled. Uh, in one in one case, we had some, some opportunities uh, at one of our groups where somebody who knew a lot of payroll could really help out. So we actually flew her down, mm-hmm. and she was able to basically be a consultant there and show them the ins and outs of that payroll system system versus their old one, tax rules, I mean, all sorts of things. I'm not a payroll person, so won't try to get into the technical details, but uh, she was able to go and basically uh, be a consultant to them to get them up to yeah. speed. And yeah. then she went back to her day job at her operating company. Um, at the corporate level, we have a trainer. Um, mm-hmm. She is, I would say, broadly skilled in Spectrum and other platforms right. and is able to really help out when you know these grassroots uh, questions come up. How do I do this? I did this and something broke. Can you help me find what it was, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, she can help stem the tide. Right. And if she gets stuck, she can escalate to uh, somebody else on our team or typically uh, to viewpoint to get uh, those those type of things addressed by somebody else. But we have a corporate team where we try to have uh, enough support for all the products that we have in mm-hmm. Spectrum, uh, Viewpoint Spectrum's product, of course, but uh, any product, we, we try to have a subject matter expert somewhere, preferably on the corporate team that can handle that. But we also have people in the field who are very skilled and we we try not to forget that these are the people doing the work every day and frequently can provide the most help to somebody else who's struggling. We try to capitalize on that right. uh, when opportunity comes up. We And we appreciate these folks as well. These are the folks who help us and help in general, will help a vendor uh, for any technology tool understand the gaps, the potential for improvement in the tool, in the software, what have you, having these internal experts. And some folks who are listening might be thinking, well, we're investing a lot of money in this software. Shouldn't the vendor, shouldn't the provider of the solution be doing all of this? Uh, why do we have to have an internal you know, center of excellence, if you will, or centers of excellence or champions running around the country? I, I would argue that, yes, most vendors can provide expert level support for their own products. You certainly want to make that a, uh, a requirement if doing business with a vendor, a technology vendor. But every company implements technology slightly differently. So I guess, Robert, I'm, I'm wondering if what I'm about to say resonates with you. Is it it's not a matter of not having access to the technical resources, sure you can find out how to use the product better. 
it's more of a implementation of the product the way your company wants to use it and having people who understand that the the marriage of your internal processes with the technology having experts within your own company who understand that get that and can help others that's something that vendors have a trouble doing because every client is unique do you feel like that is the benefit of what you're doing here, adding that additional layer that gives more context to the support that your users are receiving. Yeah, I think that's true, Wayne. We have, to get it off ERP for a second, we have sysadmins in our enterprise IT department Mm -hmm. who manage our Active Directory environment. That's not because Microsoft doesn't know anything about AD and couldn't answer our questions about how to do this or that. If we encounter trouble, it's because the way we've implemented uh, our domain mm-hmm. and uh, and the, the trusts and the organizational units and all this stuff inside of there is very much specific to MDU. Sure. And so they they understand how it's been done, and they're they're maintaining it. They're helping uh, extend it and make it more robust as time goes on and things change, environment richens and broadens and security changes, all these things. Uh, so exactly the same way with, with the Viewpoint Suite. We, yes, we can go to Viewpoint, and when we do get stuck, we go to Viewpoint and we get the answers to the problems. But by having somebody internally who really understands not just the product, mm-hmm. but how we've chosen to implement the product, it radically cuts down on the amount of time required to come up with a solution. Uh, or to, you know, maybe rework a business process to fit the way that we've implemented the software. Right. Um, you know, or in some other way, uh, make things a little more rapid than having to go to the vendor who could answer the question, but they're not going to have the background of how have we set up payroll? How do we process exactly. AP? Exactly. Um, all, all those questions. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, we, you know, we can provide as vendors, we can provide general guidance, general um, advice, and specific technical advice. But marrying the two different processes can be challenging. It makes it very much easier when we have clients such as MDU, uh, CSG, who have that internal uh, center of excellence with respect to using your platform. So Robert, uh, uh, what is clear, of course, to our audience now is that you work for a a company, fair to say, is on the larger side of of the median here in our industry. Uh, You have a a large operation, multifaceted, multiple operating groups. um, And therefore, uh, it may seem like, well, of course, you know, this firm has a lot of processes, a lot of resources in place. Um, But again, in in my travels, I would argue that um, best practices can apply to the smallest of firms. And so regardless, to the extent that you can, Robert, regardless of the size, the type of contractor you are, the complexity of your operations, what are some uh, kind of universal best practices of getting the most out of your software and your technology investments? Uh, what would you What would you offer up to a general audience? Sure. I, th- I think uh, one, one problem that can occur uh, at any organization is uh, what I call hobby horses. And I think those should, for the most part, be avoided and try to find uh, solutions to problems that will help a large number of users or a small number of users and affect them in a large way. Don't just try to uh, solve 
hobby horse problems that, you know, maybe tick off a few people uh, or the loudest people or, you know, sometimes the most political. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that has to happen. You know, we all have politics in our organizations and mm-hmm. things like that. But uh, try to try to find projects or software, whether it's being developed or purchased, that will solve a problem for a large user base. So you get, you know, a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, no, sure. Makes sense. And it it does explain why you indeed have a hobby horse hanging up in your office. I've always meant to ask you about that. Um, Just to remind (laughs) you of, to remind you of that fact, I suppose. So, right. Obviously look at, look at the, um, the scope and scaling of your projects, uh, right. And, and see how much of an effect that they're going to have. Have you, in your experience, run into difficulties implementing that type of process within a, within a company? given the the potential political pushback uh and if so what would you recommend uh, how do you how do you get past that uh sometimes having the right people at the table who are going to assess the value of the project and and make a go no go decision on the value mm-hmm. is a way to to combat that in a non-offensive manner so you know if there's some decision maker uh, hopefully it's not their hobby horse otherwise this becomes <laughs> problematic right. yeah at some um, point at some point you cannot fight city hall right right but, uh, right right so uh, if you have that decision maker at the table and then have uh, whoever's pushing the project you know the the people who who want this thing to be developed or, or purchased uh, or implemented, mm-hmm. uh, explaining the ROI and who all it's going to affect and how they do it today, what the ROI type uh, value of that project is. Uh, sometimes that uh, that kind of issue becomes very apparent, right. and then, uh, things you you don't have to be the one putting the brakes on it. Well, I like that answer too because you're you're talking about value. You're talking about the positive aspects of a project, and then letting decisions and priorities be made um, in a group setting. There's no one person who it's it's either you know all all or nothing for. It's a, it's more of a team effort, and you're keeping it positive and not personal. So that's great advice. So so that was that was one. I think if I remember back, you promised two. Did you have any other uh, advice for the folks out there listening? Well, I'll give you two two more. So one is kind of a grouped topic, and then and then I'll give you a second one after that. The kind of group topic is you need training, mm-hmm. uh, whether again whether you're developing or implementing something that you're that you've purchased, you need training. People need to know how to use it. So the training needs to be available, but also needs to be digestible, and it needs to be repeated. You know, you need to circle back and and repeat things. Yeah. Uh, go back a couple months later and hit some of those finer points again uh, after they've touched it and forgotten some of the uh, original training, but at least gotten into the process, et cetera. So you need training. You need the ability to test things. Mm-hmm. And you need the ability to audit things. So that's kind of a a, a package deal there, training, testing, auditing. You need to know uh, what happened and when and, you know, be able to troubleshoot when you have a new process uh, that's being implemented by a piece of software. You need to be able to go back and see where the train came off the tracks. Right. uh, Because, you know, all software is going to have issues from time to time. And the second one, well, the third one, I guess, then would be, again, whether you're designing your own software or purchasing one, make sure that you're focusing on the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not about the software. It's about the process. What we're it, trying to improve is the process. Right. So focus on that. Get the process right. Get the process done first. Then build or find software that can deal with or 
or facilitate your process. Don't do it the other way around. Exactly. And, uh, you know, being in the software business for a number of years, it is the cart before the horse problem. And we see this a lot in our, um, in our, in our customers, in our prospective customers, uh, focusing on the technology, on the features and functionality. That's great. Those are things you need to look at, but it needs to start with your business process. What are you solving for, right? What question right. are you trying to answer is the first question you should ask. So I couldn't agree with you anymore. I see the same things everywhere I go. Uh, let me drill deeper a little bit or ask you to, Robert, in the auditing of a new technology. That may be, uh, I think we all understand that term, but can you speak to it with respect to the software process and how you audit the use or utility or success of, uh, of a, a new investment in technology software in particular, what does that look like? What's an audit process look like? Sure. So uh, in some cases, you'll need to go back and determine who put a particular record in, uh, who attached an image to that record, who approved an invoice, mm -hmm. um, you know, just different steps of the, the underlying business process that the software is, is helping you accomplish. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to be able to look at those steps. Black boxes are sort of abhorrent. You don't want things that uh, inputs go in. <laughs> magic happens. Stuff happens. Magic right. happens. And who knows what or how or who did uh, all the stuff in between, but somehow the bills got paid. Yeah. Uh, that makes it a, a nightmare to go back and, and troubleshoot, whether it's due to a formal audit, like a SOX audit or a IT general controls audit, um, or even if, uh, I mean, it could be fraud, it could be uh, just a, a question that you're investigating while trying to improve the business process. Well, how do we do, you know, ABC? And you're going back and trying to look at, retrace the steps. Uh, maybe something broke, maybe the whole process didn't get completed, and you need to see what, what stage in the process is it? You know, if there's a nice set of breadcrumbs to follow, right? Uh, it just makes things so much easier. Now, and that's something that we've seen too uh, when deploying new software. It's amazing what rises to the surface, right? As you as you start implementing your business processes in a platform, in a system or set of software, uh, you start to really realize, here are my gaps, here are my weaknesses, here are things that we haven't even thought about. There's a bit of a bootstrapping uh, effect, I think, when you bring in a new technology. It, if you do it right uh, and follow the great advice you've been providing, it can help bootstrap your company up. A, a new technology can help inform your you know, better processes. Better processes can be aided by the new technology and, and so forth. So I've seen that happen when done right. And that's certainly the main reason we're here speaking to everybody today. So with that in mind, Robert, I, I, I warned you about this. You still agreed to it. I'll remind you of that. But Folks, you know what time it is. It's nugget time. And Robert, you've had time to think about this now at least three minutes. What, what, what is your nugget of advice for, for our audience? What is the one thing, Mr. Cruz, that you want this group of folks to take away from them today? Shoot. I'll, I'll, I didn't invent this, but I'll harp the mantra that I say on a weekly basis uh, on our teams and interacting with other teams here internally, and that's crawl, walk, run. Mm -hmm. mm. So this can manifest itself as scope creep or as uh, improper, well, maybe improper is too strong, but I'll say improper uh, planning from the get-go of what you want to do as your first project with this new software platform or mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Development technique, uh, and you shoot for the 
shoot for the stars. You know, some people say, uh, you know, shoot for the moon and, you know, wherever you land is great or something. Well, I, I'm a firm proponent of crawl, walk, run. Exactly. Learn how to crawl, get something working, uh, get familiar with the tool set, uh, get people bought in and uh, get, you know, dispel the fear, et cetera. Uh, then walk, you know, that's where you get into the thing that you most likely spend most of your time doing right. when you're on your feet. Uh, and on occasion, you find uh, the need to run and really make the software sing mm -hmm. and do s special things. But uh, that's the order to follow, though. Crawl, walk, run. If you try to run right off, uh, it's going to be ridden with problems that will be really hard to overcome if if you can get past them at all. Absolutely. And, I, you know, we most of us here have, have heard that expression, certainly, but it does so completely apply to this topic. Um, and, and I would add, I mean, let me add a little dipping sauce to your nugget, if I may, Robert, that, uh, that now, don't worry, this will not become a new feature in the podcast, I promise, folks. But I, I would say that in addition to that, you need to set a pace because um, you will, you know, you will walk, you will run, but it is a long-term investment uh, technology in general. Uh, and it's constantly changing, which means that your investment strategy needs to constantly be tweaked and changed if you're using a platform, no doubt that is being updated. And there are new features, new functionalities. Are you implementing training plans? Are you keeping that going? Are you are you keeping pace with technology as part of that walk, uh, run, uh, you know, cadence that you as a company are in? I, I would add that. So um, wonderful nuggets, sir. Tasty and nutritious. I expected nothing less from you. Robert, is there anything else that you care to share with us about uh, successes that you've had implementing technologies at your company? Uh, I would just uh, caution people, um, you know, keep things uh, in scope when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at a project. Uh, keep the right people at the table mm -hmm. who are looking at the project or uh, evaluating whether it'll even proceed. Uh, you know, try to build champion mentality and and some person who can drive acceptance uh, and excitement about that mm -hmm. uh, new tool or new new platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and make sure that you build up some internal experts like we've talked about um, in the in the past few minutes here. Uh, they can help support that and and um, quell some of the frustration that there's going to be. Uh, with these new tools that you that you put out there in the workplace. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and in large part, because I've seen it work. I've seen it work at your firm, actually, Robert, and I've seen what uh, you and your team has uh, has done. It's been very effective. And so I um, am thrilled to have uh, had your time and attention here during this podcast, sir. I appreciate it. I'm sure our audience does as well. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Although he can't hear it, he will feel it for Mr. Robert Cruz of MDU Construction Services Group. Robert, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. You bet, Wayne. It's been a lot of fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. This is Wayne Newitz signing off for this edition of A Viewpoint on Construction. Hope to have you all back next time on our podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us today. And we hope you enjoyed the show. Check back for new podcasts at Viewpoint.com or on the same channel. Craving more thought leadership pieces? Check out our Viewpoint Surveyor blog at blog.viewpoint.com, which is updated several times per week with the latest news, industry best practices, and much more. 